Hello, everyone, and welcome to the uh, Monday, April 26th edition of the Monday Check-In. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, not Minnesota, 68901, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church, also in Hastings, Nebraska, and not Minnesota. Uh, there was some confusion when we moved here to Hastings. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, the Hastings YMCA, uh, we were all prepared to join the Y when we moved here and realized just before putting in our credit card information for our Y membership that we were about to join the Hastings YMCA in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely little town, Hastings, Minnesota. Is it? Yeah, I used to drive through there all the time, uh, like on my way to my sister's. They have a First Presbyterian Church of Hastings there too. We were the lucky ones to get the uh, the URL fpchastings.org. We must have beat them to it. Must have, yeah. Um, and whoever did that, my guess is it was probably Eric Nielsen, if we're going to be honest. Uh, thank you for helping us get that URL for our website address. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, so what we generally do on the Monday check-in is we take a little bit of time and we preview uh, one of the, or both, or multiple or none of the scripture passages that we're going to use uh, for the upcoming Sunday. And we have a little bit of chat about them um, and folks can sort of use that to maybe maybe prep up a little bit, I guess, uh, for Sunday or spend some time sort of in, in meditation, thinking about those sorts of themes throughout the week. And, uh, and oftentimes on Sundays, uh, things come back around uh, and reemerge. So, uh, so we'll do that and then we'll switch gears and we will share a little bit about the life of the church at First Pres Hastings, Nebraska uh, during this week. So, I will offer us a word of prayer as we begin, if that seems appropriate. Sounds good. Loving and gracious God, thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for all of those who have come before us, all of our foremothers and forefathers in faith who have handed this thing on to us, who have found their true selves in you and who have encouraged us to do the same. As we gather again to study your word and consider what it might mean for us and our lives as, as pilgrims, I ask that your presence might be with us, uh, that we might be blessed to both receive and perceive your holy word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we have a couple of things that, that we're going to read for this coming Sunday. Uh, one is a piece of scripture. And the other is the Apostles' Creed, and we're taking a look at a creed um, because it was shorter than a statement of faith, and we wanted to take a look at a statement of faith because this Sunday we are celebrating confirmation of this year's confirmands. So, so I will start uh, by reading from John, First John, uh, chapter four, verses seven through twenty-one. And then maybe after that, Greg, do you want to read the Apostles' Creed? I'd be happy to. All right. And Damon, can you remind us the name of the community that received this letter uh, first, John? Uh, the Johannine community. Johannine. I would have said Johannine, but uh, <laughs> Damon, 
this Sunday in church uh, taught me the pronunciation of a word that I've read many times, but never said out loud. And uh, so thank you for uh, that pronunciation of the Yohanim community. Uh, as Damon mentioned in a sermon, uh, there is a consistency between the Gospel of John and the letters of John, likely all related to the same community, which likely were written 90 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. And so two or three generations after um, Christ has been on the earth, likely the people who were reading this letter probably never met Jesus themselves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they would have been sort of the John would have been like a, a formational sort of person to their community. Um, yeah, so the Johannine. That's, I don't know, that's just how, that's how Marilyn Solomon pronounced it. So, and she was right about pretty much everything. So I don't know why she would have been wrong about that. And Marilyn Solomon was likely your New Testament professor when you were in yep. seminary? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> the Johannine community. Uh, so this is from First uh, John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we, ought, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we, in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. And that's where that evening reading ends. All right. And that's, uh, we'll roll right into reading the Apostles' Creed. And as Damon said, we're doing this because our confirmands will be sharing their statements of faith. And one of the things we have them do is they prepare to write their own statements of faith is read previous statements of faith. And we give them sort of an outline for what, do, what are the elements of a statement of faith? And we find most of those elements present here in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and so we're going to read that to you and then chat about that as well. 
and uh, this should be familiar. You're welcome to read along with us or recite it out loud since we know you all memorized this in confirmation class and still have it memorized, no doubt, at this point in your lives. So, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've got a little bit of First John. We got a little bit of the Apostles' Creed. We got a little bit of a train in the background. I don't know if you can, can you hear that? Oh, very much so. <laughs> and this is why we were working towards silent crossings here in Hastings, Nebraska, before the city council uh, in the month of May. So, uh, in the meantime, that's okay. <laughs> It'll be gone. Um, it sounds like it's one that's moving quickly, so it'll be gone soon, which is nice. Good deal. They don't all move so quickly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, what do we got, Greg? Well, so when we're working with the confirmands, uh, we talk about the elements of a statement of faith. And one of the things we encourage them to do is uh, talk about how they define and understand the three persons of the Trinity, right? God, the creator, uh, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And we see that clearly laid out here in the Apostles' Creed, right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So we're defining who God is, God the creator is, and what that, that person of the Trinity's relationship is to the world. This was the maker of heaven and earth. And then we go on to define Jesus Christ. And the definition of Jesus Christ in the Apostles' Creed is a long definition. Um, and then we go on to uh, define kind of the Holy Spirit, uh, as well as acknowledging the church, ecclesiology, what is the role of the church in the world, and the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins, and then naming the truth of the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. So those are the elements that are present in the Apostles' Creed, and those are the same elements we encourage our kids to write in their own statements of faith. And so I was looking at the passages that are suggested to us for, uh, for scripture in the lectionary this week. Not, I mean, the lectionary writers didn't know that this was going to be our confirmation Sunday, right? because uh, they set the lectionary back in 1976, and this was the assigned text, and it has been the assigned text every three years since 1976 uh, on the fifth Sunday after Easter, okay? I mean, maybe but they could have guessed, but they, they might have. I mean, a heck of a guess. If churches generally do confirmation in the spring, they could have known perhaps that this would have been a text that might have been read during a confirmation Sunday, all of which to say, probably a big conjecture. Yeah, not not their primary concern. But I was reading through uh, the three, there are the four proposed texts that are offered this Sunday with this lens of confirmation and this lens of statements of faith, because basically the major gist of the sermon or the proclaiming of God's word on Sunday will be the confirmands reading the statements of faith that they've written. And it occurred to me that this passage from 1 John, which is assigned to this text, actually has many of those same elements of a statement of faith or an affirmation of faith. And so uh, I'm pretty excited about that because it feels like this could have been an affirmation of faith or a statement of faith of that Johannian community. Um, and it, it 
falls out in the same order and sort of the same way as the Apostles' Creed and the way that we're teaching our confirmants to write their statements of faith. So I think that's the direction the sermon's headed. Uh, do you see that in this passage from 1 John? Yeah, for sure. And, and it makes sense. I think we see these sorts of elements in a lot of the epistles. Um, yes. Um, not just like first, second, and third John, but in a lot of Paul's writings as well, because the epistles are their letters, right? That were either written like to a community or they were written by leaders of the community, like to, to the community itself. Uh, they're almost little, they're kind of like sermons in some ways. Um, and that they are, there is more of an explanatory element to it there is more of a okay, okay you know the stories of jesus you know the stories of his miracles his life his death resurrection here's what that means mm-hmm. to us as people of faith right and so the the gospels are our interpretation in some ways as well but um but the epistle writings are are very much <laughs> interpretation uh, you know and say okay here's what our priorities should be here's what this means for us to be to claim jesus as our lord means that we have to love our neighbors as as they start to get in here in, in first john right so just because of the the function the form of of the text uh, just sort of lends itself to to these sorts of creedal sorts of things or a statement of faith sorts of things like these sorts of this is what this means for us sorts of thing yeah i uh i applaud your new testament professor because that was a really great and clear explanation of uh, a lot of the content that we find in the epistles so uh, or perhaps you came up with that entirely on your own damon which i think oh, you're God. perfectly <laughs> capable of doing so uh but uh no i think that was a really accurate description of uh what we're seeing here in this uh in this text and and what we do see repeatedly in um the pauline letters and and the other epistles so um in this one in particular i I like that it starts with um defining what does life look like as a christian which should be part of an affirmation of faith or a creed right beloved let us love one another and then why because love is from god Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So boom, right there, we're making a bold statement about what does it mean to believe that your life looks a certain way, right? Um, And then the author goes on to define uh, first God, the creator. And I love this definition of God, the creator. God is love. I mean, it's three words, but what a powerful statement that we could really riff on all day right Mm -hmm. um but god is love god created the world out of love god uh created us as as god's children out of love um and then it goes on god's love was revealed in this way so what is how does that love look like and then we start to get into the second person of the trinity jesus right god sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him and again in 10 he sent his son to be atoning sacrifice for our sin and so we're getting this uh definition of jesus salvific work as the second person of the trinity yeah it just occurred to me i'm gonna um screen share here for a little bit because i think it would be helpful for folks to be able to see the the scripture um 
because you've highlighted some things. Yeah, I was not being very kind to Damon. As he was reading it to you on our podcast, uh, we, sh- we use a shared Google Doc. And so I started highlighting <laughs> as Damon was reading, uh, which wasn't a really nice thing to do. But he totally rolled with it, didn't say a thing. It didn't interrupt him. He did chuckle at one moment because he saw what I was doing uh, behind him. But uh, yes, so <laughs> yeah so but i think it'll be helpful if folks are watching the video version of this um to sort of see the see the development that you're sort of laying out right um so we talk about verse chapter four verse eight where we have this a definition of god and an understanding of god god is love right uh and then in verse 10 you're talking about okay now we move into a definition of of jesus the christ and the role of Jesus the Christ, right? Uh, and specifically here, building on the sentiment that we find in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus as the self-sacrificial, Jesus is the Passover lamb in the Gospel of John, um, I think. Pretty yep. sure. Yeah. Um, and then we're talking about, you know, this past Sunday we talked about the the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one who lays down their life in a self-sacrificial way. Um, and the community has carried on that in verse 10. He sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so that means <laughs> in verse 11, that since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so this, how do we carry this out? What does it mean to be a person of faith? Yeah. Um, and then we jump to four, or 13, and all of a sudden we have a definition of the Holy Spirit. We capture the third person of the Trinity, right? Uh, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And the, the idea that the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us throughout our lives, God's abiding presence with us, um, even though Jesus is no longer with us because Jesus has resurrected and ascended, uh, what's, we have the spirit, uh, who helps us in our daily lives. And so again, you just like a, a good statement of faith or a good affirmation of faith or a good creed, we, we define the three parts of the Trinity. And then, uh, we talk about what does life look like as a believer that we are called to confess that Jesus is the son of God there in 15. And then uh, I didn't I w- didn't highlight the rest of it because Damon was reading it at the time. But um, more about what does it mean to live the life? What does it mean to uh, live your faith? And uh, of course, grounded in this uh, this idea of love, uh, in First John, the word love that is used over and over and over again in this passage is agape, uh, that Greek word for this unconditional love that we know comes uh, comes from God. So, um, and then 20 and 21 are, are convicting. Uh, and I, I, I like that the passage ends with these, right? Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Um, yeah, yep. And that carries on the idea that we have in the scripture, in the reading, as you might imagine, and the reading from First John that we had from this past Sunday, uh, where the line was, um, 
how can anyone who has essentially something to the effect of how can anyone who has the world's goods uh, see, a, see brother, a brother see a brother or sister in need and not help them and how can God abide with anyone who has the world's goods sees a brother and sister in need and refuses to help yep yeah, this sort of this ethic this living out of of love the primary thing yeah. one of the things that that jumps out to me from from this scripture reading and caught my attention for in the passages for last week as well um verse 11 uh beloved since god loved us so much we also ought to love one another and the word ought always catches my attention um mm -hmm. because ought implies can right I, if you ought to do something it implies that you can do something that, that you are capable of doing it um, should you choose to. So, so just the reminder that we do have the capacity to love one another. Um, we don't always live into it or we don't always live into it as fully as we would really like to, um, but we are capable of such things, um, I, think is, I think is an important reminder. Um, and the debater in me, I was a debater in high school and in college, we also used to, uh, when that word occurred in a debate, ought not only applies the capacity to do something, it also implies a moral obligation to do something. And that's definitely what the writer is getting at here, right? Because yeah. God loved us, we ought, we have a moral obligation. We have, God has poured love into us. We have the moral obligation to share that love with others, right? Um, and so not only can we do it, but we should, we have a moral obligation to do it. Um, so yeah, this, uh, this letter of first John is, is very repetitive, but I find beauty in its repetition, mm -hmm. um, and almost poetic, if you will. Um, <laughs> contemporary Christian praise music gets, uh, maligned often as being very repetitive as well. Uh, but in terms of reinforcing a, an important message, I think it's, it, it does that well. Yeah. And, and that's also what we do, what Jose music does, uh, you know, a, a simple phrase that's repeated over and over again. Um, it's also as a, as a, as a former debate person, were you trained in the rhetorical style of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them? Indeed. Yep. <laughs> and that is probably why those of you listening to this podcast realize that Pastor Greg repeats himself a lot. Either it's a memory <laughs> issue or he's using a rhetorical style or perhaps both. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so, so thinking about confirmation, right? Uh, a question that occurs to me, and the students are writing statements of faith, right? Uh, which are different than creeds. Um, is the, the Presbyterian church considered to be a, a creedal church or a non-creedal church? Good question. Yeah, we're a non-creedal church. We believe that the creeds inform our faith, but we don't, uh, we don't say that, that we have to follow every word of the creed word for word. And that's the PCUSA position. There are other Presbyterian denominations that treat some of the creeds uh, as creeds. Uh, and 
for example, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church says that the Westminster Statement of Faith has to be followed word for word. And if you fall outside the bounds of the Westminster Statement of Faith, you are at risk of being brought up on charges and potentially, uh, if you're a pastor, of having your pastoral uh, identity and, and duties being defrocked, if you will, though we don't call that in the Presbyterian Church. And if you are an elder in a Presbyterian Church and you do something outside the Westminster Statement of Faith, you are at risk of uh, being removed from membership of the church. Uh, the Presbyterian Church USA does not treat the creeds in that same way. Uh, we believe that they are grounded in the historical context in which they were written and that they inform our faith as we live it today in the 21st century. Uh, and so uh, that's, uh, that's, that's a distinction, uh, which is why we talk about statements of faith. These are the things that we believe, um, not the creeds that we have to agree with word for word, if you will. Yeah, I just always think that that's a, an important distinction between a creed sort of being a, a list of things that you have to fully assent to, um, to be really part of the community, um, whereas a, a statement of faith being you know, informed by the creeds, informed by the scripture, informed by my own personal study and experience and, and by the wisdom of the community, this is kind of where I am right now. <laughs> um, when I think about God, I, I, I tend to think of God in this way. Um, 10, 15 years from now, it might be completely different, or I might have expanded that in some sort of way. Or when I think about the role of the church in the world, this is what I, this is how I imagine it. Now, this is how I understand it. Um, now and and then I was thinking of the creeds is uh, you know the Apostles Creed the Nicene Creed as sort of starting points and um, the UCC we just we have it's called a statement of faith <laughs> it's not even the statement of faith this is a statement of faith and and that's kind of like the jumping off point um, for folks that's sort of the the baseline sort of a thing um and i just and that that ties in with what you were talking about a couple of weeks ago the gospel of thomas uh, or not gospel of thomas the disciple thomas the twin and and being willing to to question and to consider and to to reevaluate i guess in some sort of ways is an important part of the the journey of faith yeah, um, and Presbyterian pastors, uh, every time we apply for a position, we have to submit our own personal statement of faith. Um, and uh, those do change over the years for a lot of Presbyterian pastors. Um, the, the closing line of the statement of faith that I submitted for this particular job, and which continues to be my statement of faith, um, is a quote from um, the Gospels where uh, Jesus heals a man's son and Jesus asks the man, do you believe? And the man replies, I believe, Lord, now help my unbelief. Uh, and my statement of faith ends with that line, <laughs> which, uh, which is showing some vulnerability, uh, stating both, yes, I do believe, and also I have my questions and my doubts. And, uh, and I... I engage with those. I wrestle with those. I wrestle with other folks who bring their questions and their doubts to the table. And so uh, it's an important, I, I believe an important part of our faith in that sense.
Yeah, it'd be interesting. It, does that get shared with the compromise while they're writing theirs? Does my own statement of faith? Yeah. It has not historically been shared with them. Uh, that might be something interesting for us to do. It'd be interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I had <laughs> that's a really good idea, Damon. <laughs> but a blind squirrel, they say. Uh, what else? Anything else? Man, I think that that pretty much covers it. You normally ask me at this point if it'll preach, and my intention is to offer a very, very, very brief message teeing up the confirmands giving their statement of faith. And so uh, I think that uh, we've got some material here to do that with. Yeah, and maybe folks... I mean, maybe if folks are looking for a, a spiritual practice for this week, maybe spend some time and 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 write up their own statement of faith. How do they understand God? How do they exercise. understand Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the role of the church, all those sorts of things? What does the committing themselves to the breaking of bread and prayers uh, mean to them? So, uh, all right, should we switch gears? Let's, let's do that. We've got uh, a busy season in the life of our church, which is an exciting thing. Uh, our, our Christian ed for uh, children through fifth grade uh, will end on May 2nd this year, which is next Sunday. That will be our last remote Christian ed lesson that is sent out. And then we will have a closing picnic on May 5th at Libs Park. And so uh, go to our church's website, click on children's ministry. Let us know if you're going to be at the picnic. Uh, and then also you have access to a full year's worth of remote Sunday school lessons. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been amazing work of our Christian ed team led by Steph Brader and then a lot of uh, a lot of wonderful volunteers as well. So we give thanks to God for them and for them sustaining our Christian ed program in the midst of a crazy time. So uh, we're excited to, uh, to end this year and hopeful that next year may look a little bit more like uh, something that resembles what we've done in the past. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking how it it, it feels strange because we're doing a lot of the things that we do to sort of wrap up the year, right? Uh, and it feels strange in some ways to be wrapping up a year that wasn't really a year, but it was a year. <laughs> it, was just, it was a year. Yeah, it's just this interesting sort of, yeah. I, oh, I guess we're here. <laughs> Uh, what else? Did you talk about VBS? Yeah, we've got Vacation Bible School coming up. We're doing a joint Vacation Bible School with First United Methodist. It'll be June 1st through 3rd. June 1st is the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Um, and all the details of that are on our church's website. We need folks to sign up if they're planning on attending, their kids or their grandkids are planning on attending. We also really need volunteers. Uh, and so would encourage you to uh, check out, uh, see if God is calling you to be a volunteer for Vacation Bible School this year. Uh, we're excited about what it's going to be. It will be outdoors and masks will be required. So we're taking COVID precautions, but it promises to be a really joyful time uh, with kids. Uh, and so that's a, that's a great thing and excited about that. Yeah. Is it just, is it in the morning? Correct. Yep. Right. It'll end at noon. And so it's... Uh, okay commitment of uh three or four hours each day for for three days and it's a tuesday wednesday thursday so uh yeah. invite you to do that uh adult ed is starting to wrap up and wind down as well our forums are done for the year and then airs a parent which is our adult uh sunday school class 
Uh, they're going to continue to meet for three more weeks. Uh, what they're going to be talking about is still to be determined. Uh, but uh, if you would like to join that class, you can either do it in person in the Anderson room on Sunday mornings, or you can also join via Zoom and we can send you that link. Just reach out to me or Damon or the church office and we'll get that link to you. Um, and we, uh, we are also back to having in-person worship on Sunday mornings. Uh, we've been back to it for uh, a little over a couple months, actually. Almost two months now. Yeah. So, uh, and we have starting in uh, April, right? We're, the, we're no longer doing a, an RSVP system. So uh, if you would like to come to worship on Sunday morning, please just come to the church. Hopefully you remember its address and where it's located. Uh, we are uh, requiring people to wear masks and we are so spreading folks out within the sanctuary to continue to, to take caution against the, the spread of COVID-19. Um, but we've had plenty of space uh, the past several Sundays. So uh, folks are curious and would like to come to come back to in person. They, they are welcome to do so. Yeah, we, um, we took a yardstick out to the sanctuary and kind of measured and, and we have the capacity for about 150 people in our sanctuary while still observing social distancing. Uh, and so we've been worshiping between 60 and 100 people. So we're still way, way under that capacity. So we do hope if you want to come back that you feel welcome coming back, we'd love to have you. So, um, and if you don't feel comfortable coming indoors to worship, we have an exciting opportunity for outdoor worship on uh, May 30th, uh, a week or a, rather a month from uh, now-ish. Uh, just over a month away. Uh, we will be doing an outdoor worship service in Alexander Park, which is the park just across the street uh, north of us on the corner of 7th and Lincoln. This will be a joint worship service with First United Methodist Church. Their pastor, Pastor Greg Lindenberger, is retiring in mid-June. And so this will be our last chance for uh, Pastor Greg and Pastor Greg to do the Pastor Greg show. Uh and uh, so he and I will be doing uh, a dialogue sermon that Sunday, and we will worship together with our Methodist sisters and brothers. And what we're going to invite you to do is to bring a picnic with you. Uh, and after service is over at 1130, uh, everybody safely spread out and socially distanced will be able to sit in the park and enjoy a picnic and some fellowship together. And we're excited about that. So that is Sunday, May 30th. Then after that Sunday, we'll hop into our summer stuff. Uh, so we'll start with a, probably start with a children's literature series, uh, similar to what we did last year. So if folks have ideas or suggestions of uh, kids' books, uh, generally we've been using like picture book sorts of things. Um, it's hard to read an entire chapter book during a worship service, but not that it couldn't be done, but uh, does not as easily digestible, perhaps. So if folks have ideas or suggestions that they, oh, this is a book that I loved as a, as a child, this is a book that my kids love or that I love reading to my grandkids, um, you know, pass that along to us and, and we'll take a look at it for sure. And then also we will be doing our summer song sermon series. Summer, yeah, I got that right. Summer sermon song series, summer song sermon series. It could go either way. Uh, Songs of Summer, series of sermons. Series of sermons. <laughs> uh, so if you have a song, uh, so what we do is we take a look at some, some secular music 
And we sort of take a look and, and we pull out some of the sacred themes that we find within those things. So if you have a song that you think, oh, this would be a, this would be a wonderful sermon, uh, pass it along, let us know, and we'll take a look at that as well. All right. Uh, did we cover it all? We must have. Fair enough. And can I close the word of prayer? All right. Let's uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for confirmation, uh, for this process that these young people have been through. We thank you for inspiring them as they wrote their statements of faith. We thank you for your holy word, which inspires us as we reflect on our own faith. Thank you for these creeds, which over the years have helped inform and guide our faith and our faith development. God, we throw that all into a mixing bowl and we mix it all together for Sunday. And we know that the product of that will be something amazing. So bless and guide all of the preparation that is going into Confirmation this Sunday. Bless and guide our reading of your holy word. And bless and guide uh, our own minds as we work through our own understanding of faith. And may our understanding of that faith move from our minds to our hearts and from our hearts to our hands so that we can go out and be your hands and feet in the world. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.